Welcome to HR and Cocktails, brought to you by Prescott HR, home of unintimidated HR, the show for business owners and executives to learn more about all aspects of human resources with your host, Kimberly Prescott. Welcome to this episode of HR and Cocktails. We are still doing the social distancing edition and we get the added benefit of doing it in the snow, but it doesn't matter because we are in our homes. Um, So I would like to welcome our guest, Siobhan Smith of the SJS Law Firm. Thank you, Siobhan. Thank you, Kimberly, for having me. Yes, no problem. So today we're going to talk about the role of ethics in business. And I think that the time is ripe to have this conversation. There are um, so many things that are happening in the world that are causing ethics and just quite honestly, how um, people's individual thought processes and philosophies can um, bleed into the workplace. And what does that mean? And just at a a general level, what does business ethics mean? So I'm excited to have this conversation today. And I guess as we get started, can you just introduce yourself, Siobhan, tell our guests about you and about your firm? Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you so much for having me. It's an an honor and a privilege to have made it to to, uh, the barn, let's say. (laughs) Yes. So my name is Siobhan Smith. I am an attorney. I own a law practice. I operate um, in the DMV area and I work exclusively with small, medium-sized businesses and really serve as um, like an outsourced general counsel. So my work is helping businesses start, contracts, employment, um, and just a whole lot of problem solving and counseling and um, advising businesses with their legal issues, but just a whole span of things as well. Awesome. So everyone needs an attorney. Every every business needs an attorney, every person too, but every business needs an attorney. Um, so it sounds like for, you know, the smaller to mid-sized businesses, it's great because you have complete wraparound services as, um, you know, outsourced general counsel. So um, thank you. When we think about business ethics and what that is, can you help us understand what business ethics means from an employment or business perspective? I would say business ethics are, you know, ethics are the interesting intersection of things that are not always illegal, um, but they kind of lead you down that path and kind of can permeate. Um, a culture. So when I think about business ethics, I think about how does this company do business? What do they stand for? Um, how do they want their employees to act at the business, but also when they leave the premises of the business as well? Um, you know, what kind of things can they say? What can they do? Um, so I, it almost becomes, you know, part of the culture of the business. And I think from an employment standpoint, it is, you know, that piece about well, what can our employees do here? What can they do when they leave? What can they do or say online? Um, and it really becomes how the business is represented to the world. Yeah. And in the world of social media, these lines can be blurred very easily. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I think that you um, it just as well as I have people constantly who are just not sure, uh, you know, if someone says something online and they deem it to be inappropriate and then, you know, that's a whole nother area of subjectivity, what is inappropriate, right? 
Um, but in the place where they feel like this was inappropriate and they have us listed as their employer, can we do this or can we do that? Or they said this about us. So it's definitely an area where um, it's not clear. Social media has not helped that at all. So when we think about setting the tone, the culture, how um, the organization wants individuals to represent the organization, what are your recommendations around whether an organization should have an ethics policy? Should a company have an ethics policy? I think a company should definitely have an ethics policy. And I think what's interesting, um, you know, I was speaking with a friend earlier who works for a huge consulting firm, steep in ethics, like all the time because it's what they do. But when you think about a small business, it's not always something at the forefront because people, their, their energy is elsewhere. Um, but it's one of those things you need to put energy towards it because it becomes, you know, really part of your business. So businesses of every size, especially in today's climate, need to be certain to have a very clear ethics policy that is communicated, you know, regularly to, to their staff um, and not just a policy, but training. I think ethics is one of those things. We think things are common sense. But when you base your ethics on common sense, you're going to get it wrong because you can't assume everyone's coming in the door with the same common sense or that their last job did things the right way. Or they mm -hmm. may not have been doing something illegal, but it's not the way you do business. So you definitely have to communicate, you know, what happens in your business. You know, you bring up a good point about the training and not just having a policy. But what would you say are some uh, required elements of a good ethics policy? I would say you want to have elements of, so thinking of in categories. So a person's speech. What are the things that people can say at your job? You know, we're, you know, it's interesting. Every time something happens, people say, well, I have a First Amendment right. Well, it's real, it's real tailored and a, an employer can, can say something different. So, you know, kind of ethics around what a person can say, ethics around money, around uh, do we accept gifts, um, what size gifts. You want ethics around how we use information, how we use our clients' data, how we use internally, how we use data. Um, you want ethics around how we deal with you know, customers, you know, what kind of information we give them. So I think you really, as a business, really needs to think about kind of every step of what they do and think about in this process, what could be unethical? What could come up that could be wrong? Where could someone shave a number? Where could someone, um, you know, tell a customer, don't worry about it, but that's not, you know, the right thing to do. Um, so I think it really is about understanding your business process and kind of adding adding that into that. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that because I think with many um, small employers, um, small to mid-sized employers, some of them have counsel, some of them have HR, some of them don't. <laughs> and so um, they are putting together handbooks and or policies and sometimes they're not sure which policies they need to have or to what extent they need to have those policies. So I think this is very helpful to give some context around what they need to consider um, when they are Googling their handbook. Okay. I hope they're calling me and you, but if they're Googling their handbook, uh, we want them to make sure they have the right elements in their um, ethics policy. 
training. So you said training and, you know, my gut says something like ethics, that's something that would need to be done, not just once, not just a one-time ethics training. So what, what, what do you say about that? No, I think it's definitely not a one-time thing. I would say you want a yearly ethics training, if not more frequently, depending on your industry. If you are a nonprofit um, and you are working with multiple grants and you have to report to those grants, you might want to do things more frequently just because of the work you're doing. If you're working in government contracting and, and you know certain agencies or you know perhaps you get a new contract in and, and something maybe prohibits you from doing things politically, so it's definitely something you want to do frequently with your staff um, just to keep it on their radar about what is accepted, what's not. Because it's one of those things that I think easily slips more so. I mean, we all know you shouldn't discriminate. We all know, you know, you shouldn't, you know, uh, make decisions based off a person's gender. I think the ethics get a little bit more fuzzy and that's why you always have to remind people. So what about the people who don't like the way you do something and they use the word that's unethical. And because again, you know, we define ethics in our policies, but it, it's all up to interpretation to a certain extent, you know, around what's ethical, what's not ethical. So example, I had a client that approached me about someone who was removed from their job. And that person said, well, I was removed in retaliation of filing a complaint. Well, the complaint was that they didn't feel that the client was doing things the way that they wanted them to do it. So to your point, the way that their old job used to do it. When it all boiled down to it, it was a matter of process and preference. It had nothing to do with ethics. But this individual felt that because they were doing it differently and the process wasn't as smooth and it wasn't as well-oiled as their previous job, they felt that it was unethical. So how do how do we manage that? Because, you know, people use a lot of inflammatory words, you know, in the workplace and, you know, I don't like this, this is unethical. How do we manage that? Because we don't want to have a per se list in our ethics policy, we can't. How do we manage that? Yeah, I think that's a good point because I'm thinking, you know, obviously you have an ethics policy and you could point to it, but it's not going to cover everything. And the and it's going to explicitly say this doesn't cover everything. Um, so that's when you kind of you want a compliant. I mean, you want a compliance ethics person. So you want a person that someone can go to a person they can call to discuss a thing. And that person can then do their due diligence investigation and say, based on our policy, based on, you know, whatever backdrop, you know, if it's an accounting firm, if it's, you know, a dental office, you know, they're going to have a backdrop of some rules that they should be looking to. The problem is, you know, sometimes a client is four, five, six, seven people. So it becomes more challenging to have because everyone's already doing seven, seven jobs. Um, and so I know, and you can definitely speak on this. I know that there are companies you can outsource that sort of thing to, to have them be, you know, the ethics hotline or the ethics person for the company. Um, and it's something that, you know, as you're scaling that you want to think about if, you know, if that's, it, it should be important to you to have that as part of your business. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I was going to ask about that, you know, having um, 
an ethics hotline or some uh, method for employees to be able to report these things, particularly, and, and, and I don't mean to say that every organization doesn't need some level of this. However, government contractors and other organizations that are highly regulated, to your point, the medical field, um, you know, the areas where it's highly regulated and there are regulations where those types of things need to be reported and potentially the individual may not feel comfortable making those complaints inside. So, you know, there's definitely the outsourced resources that you can have um, for, um, you know, an ethics hotline or out, you know, outlining someone who is not in the organization if you don't possess someone with that skill set inside the organization. But what if you do? So, you know, you'll say you have a, 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 a the size of organization that you may be able to have someone. Let's say you do. How important is it in your ethics policy to have um, something that talks about how you report complaints, ethics complaints or ethics concerns? How important is that? I think in general, you want to have a handbook that's clear all throughout that, it, you know, if you see something, say something um, to, to have a reporting and have a strong culture of reporting in your company that people know that they can, can do that. So definitely when it comes to ethics, you want to have a person, a method, a system. So whether it's you, you know, first you call, then you follow up or you write, you want to have a system in place that people know that they can go to uh, when something like that, when something that they think could fall under some sort of ethical violation happens. Is there an intersection between ethics and whistleblowing? I think absolutely. I think that, um, you want you you want people to snitch on <laughs> with no stitches. <laughs> exactly. So you definitely want to have a strong whistleblower policy that people know we if we expect you to come and tell us, you will not be retaliated against. We will keep your confidentiality to the extent that we can during this investigation. Um, because you know, if management isn't going to be on the ground of everything that's happening. So you want people to feel empowered and you want people to care about the workplace enough that they'll say something. Because if people don't care, people, the printers could be going out the back door and no one's going to say anything. But if people care, then, then they will speak up. And if they know they're going to be protected, if they speak up. And I think that's important. And I think there's a balance there. And this is one thing that as an HR person that helps to develop um, less experienced HR people. This is an area where a lot of people struggle, the confidentiality and to the extent in which you receive information and when you have to do something with information. So when someone comes to you, particularly in these ethics and whistleblower situation that says, you know, I'm coming to you, HR person, I'm coming to you, you know, counsel, and I'm saying, I want to tell you about something, but I don't want you to do anything about it. It's so interesting to me how many people will say they didn't, after it all comes out, well, I did know, but they said they didn't want me to do anything about it. Because for me, that is a stop sign. Because if you go any further in this conversation, there's something that I need to do with it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's important for people to know that you just set that expectation in that conversation. I can't promise you that I won't tell anyone but what I can promise you is that I'll only involve people who need to know. 
And so when you set that expectation and let people know, you're not violating their trust and you're not putting them in a position, hopefully, where they feel like they can't come to you again. But I will say that this is a situation where people will many times say, I just don't want you to tell anybody. And it's kind of like, well, then why are you telling me? (laughs) You know, a lot of workplaces are very gossipy. Like they just don't trust the people that you're supposed to trust, um, which is why, you know, they have a lot of trepidation on coming forward or coming forward and say, but, you know, I don't want you to do anything because everyone will know I'm the one who said something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's important for um, employers to know that if you have um, a reporting structure and people do come to you, if you say you want to ensure that you have a workplace that um, is ethical and takes ethics seriously and will investigate any um, violations of ethics, you have to actually do it. And without getting too nerdy and playing a lawyer on TV, because we actually have one on our show today, you know, we don't want managers to take on that vicarious liability for the organization because they have information that they're not doing anything with. So that was my, that was my, Like, of course they knew that this person was doing it. We have this report right here and they didn't do anything. Exactly. And you are an agent of the organization. So, you know, just making sure that managers are trained on that. And I am actually for things like this. I do think that when you think about training, having a separate training for managers to help them understand their responsibility and their liability, then the company's liability through them, um, if they don't handle things the way that they need to. It's one thing for us to tell people what ethics are and what our process is, but it is another thing to help the managers and the leadership understand their responsibility, which is a higher level of responsibility. Absolutely. So, you know, when we think about, again, we, we you said when you gave us your definition of ethics, you know, speech, and freedom of speech. And I think that over the last, I'll be generous, 24 months, (laughs) we've had um, a few more instances um, of individuals who have chosen to exercise their freedoms a lot more, a lot more verbally and, um, and sometimes in less constructive ways. I think that's what I will say. And with that being said, Um, SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, came out with an article last month talking about that thing, about when someone in the workplace talks about their political um, affiliations, or not even their affiliation, because you could be affiliated however you want to, um, but their political beliefs and some of that then um, becoming um, potentially um, potential violence, potential Um, bullying to other employees, and quite honestly, even some language that might be inflammatory that might reflect on the employer. And to your point, people have said, well, what about my First Amendment rights? And this particular article says that First Amendment rights apply to government action against your personal speech, but that a private employer can can have whatever rules they want to have for their workplace. So um, what is your assessment of this this whole thing? (laughs) You know, I I think, you know, there are already categories of employee companies where, you know, they do work with the government, so they can't have political speech, they can't campaign, 
Um, and then there, you know, this whole swath of other people who never had to deal with that. Um, I think you definitely want to have, you know, as things may continue to be inflamed, you want to have policies in place about how what people say at work. Obviously, not obviously, you will probably want to have a social media policy. You know, if you are on LinkedIn and you are saying you work for a person um, and you are engage, engaging in debate. And I think to your point, it's one thing to have an opinion. It's another thing to engage in bullying behavior, name calling, threatening other people, um, referencing violence. Like those would be key to an ethics policy. Like you don't reference violence in the workplace. You don't threaten bodily harm on someone else. Um, so, you know, maybe it's not illegal to threaten a person sometimes, but on the workplace, you definitely want to. So maybe it's, we don't say you can't have a political opinion, but we put parameters on how you can express that opinion in the workplace. Yes, because I think in the last month or so there, you know, we all know the elephant in the room, right? That that the, that the things that happened at the Capitol, the things that, that, you know, and people who went back home and got fired from their jobs for things that they did when they weren't at work, right? And so there is the debate around, well, how can I get fired for something that I did when I wasn't at work? You know, how how is how does that play into the, the culture and the ethics of my organization? Right. So I think for one, lots of people have jobs where they need some sort of background clearance. And when you get arrested, that's an issue. And you have to come and tell someone that you got arrested. Um, and then that can be an issue. Um, but beyond that, I think that you can always sanction, you can direct a person's off-duty work to a certain extent. So if a person, you know, is committing a crime, a federal crime on federal property, um, and is currently in jail, um, mm -hmm. those will be grounds for, for, especially if you have the policy in place that says, you know, arrested, arrested for these level of crimes, you know, we are, we're well within our right to terminate you. So I think, you know, we're not, we're not as free as we think we are. Like there are lots of ways to control what you say and what you do because your employer has a bottom line. Like they, you know, have a certain way to look. Like if people, you know, Twitter has a way of finding, they, they're the best investigators around. You know, they will hit you with the, is this you in a heartbeat? So if yeah. someone sees that, that company has four or five individuals who are at the Capitol arrested, you know, about to stand trial, that is bad public image. And companies get to set rules that affect their public image. Yes. And I think that's how employers need to view it to bring it full circle. If we define ethics as the culture and the way that we want employees to comport themselves and how we want for people to view us as an organization in general, if we then have employees that are behaving in a certain way, and it doesn't matter whether I agree politically or not, that's secondary to the, the fact that we now have people who represent our organization who have done things that are either illegal or perceived as violent or dangerous. And now we have these people in our workplace. So a couple of things. 
what does that do for the people who sit next to, to John? You know, John has, you know, done something violent. I saw it on the news, right? And I saw what John did. So it's not up to my interpretation. And now I'm concerned because John knows that I think differently than he does because we have conversation in the office. We sit next to each other. How does that make me feel? And as an employer, if I continue to employ that person, whether that person says something or not to someone else, am I possibly creating a hostile work environment? I don't know, you know? <laughs> so I think that these are things we have to think about and we really have to put on our employer hat and take off our, you know, First Amendment political hat and really put on our employer hat and ask ourselves the question, what is the environment that we're creating? Because at the end of the day, I know that my employees know without a shadow of a doubt that somebody has done something and they know that this person knows this about them and now they're concerned that they could be the focus of that person's ire in the future. Um, and, and what kind of environment does that create? Um, so that goes back to you know your responsibility as an employer to make sure that you're not creating that kind of environment. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. I think yeah. just an example from the news as if we need more, but there was a recording artist, Marilyn Manson, who was dropped from his label because he was accused by an ex-girlfriend of sexual assault and sexual battery. He hasn't been convicted of a crime. He has not stood in a court of law, but I'm certain that his contract, i.e. a writing, a policy is in place about how you comport yourself, ethics, and how you make us recording companies look. Um, so they are probably well within their rights to have terminated that contract just like a lot of these employers are likely going to be within their rights um, for terminating individuals. Right, exactly. And I just think that it's really important, uh, you know, as we move forward, because I do anticipate that there will continue to be um, some differences of opinion um, that are expressed in, in public and in private. And I think that it's important now for employers to really think about, because we couldn't have anticipated what happened on January 6th. We couldn't have written a policy for that because we could not have anticipated that. But I think that now that we know that there, the, there is a strong opinion on either side around what they believe and making sure that we're putting things in place and quite honestly, just being having the conversation around, this is not, we, we are, we are, open to people having conversations, but they need to be, you know, productive and, you know, and, and yeah, and in civil and that we're, we're fine with that. But if someone's uncomfortable and it can't be name calling, can't be finger pointing and really having that conversation, because I think that part of um, our responsibility as leaders and business owners is to not just have the ethics policy in the annual training, but to facilitate those conversations along the way as necessary. So what, we talked a little bit about um, the ethics hotline. Do you, what are your thoughts around ethics audits? Because there are some organizations that do ethics audits. Just for um, our audience that may not know what an ethics audit is, can you kind of give us an overview of what that is? And, you know, your thoughts about, you know, for certain sizes of employers, whether it makes sense, something yeah. along that line. So an ethics audit is, you know, much like any audit where someone comes in and really does a deep dive into your policy, into your actions in the company, and also looking at prior violations or complaints 
that a company may have had as well. You definitely want to use, just like you would use a third-party auditor for your financials, you would want to use a third party to come in um, and audit that as well. And I think if you're in a highly regulated industry, um, you know, accounting, medical, um, you're working with children for sure, um, some sort of government contracting, you definitely want to be engaging in an audit because you have other obligations that you don't want to run afoul against that can really shut your whole business down. Um, so I would say those industries definitely should think about having one, but I think everyone could stand an audit of ethics, you know, employment policies, you know, kind of across the board, you want to be auditing these things. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that's helpful. And I mean, just as you can outsource your ethics hotline, there are organizations that you can engage to come in and do that. And, you know, just as I think you would recommend, just like you get a financial audit, even though you have a CFO, it may be good to have a third party come in and look at these things, because sometimes you're too close to the situation to really be able to objectively review um, these these processes and these policies and, and the complaints. Um, sometimes we're just too close to them. So um, I have enjoyed our conversation. Is there anything else that you think that our audience needs to know about ethics in, in, the, in business? I would say just as a final thought to, to think about it, to, have, to make sure it's in the forefront of your business. Um, and I would say, again, don't substitute what you consider to be common sense for the ethics policy. Um, you, you want to, you know, empower your people to have, you know, something that they can follow when, when thinking about ethics. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So before we go, we're going to ask the most important question of the day. When you are not giving amazing guidance to your clients, what is in your glass? A mojito. Oh, all right. I love a mojito. I definitely do. And so I usually don't give a drink um, during the um, podcast, but today this conversation has made me want to give a drink. And so the drink that I want to give is the Scofflaw. Um, <laughs> so, huh? Educate me. I have no clue what that even is. <laughs> yes, it's it's so good. But first, I feel like I need to give the definition of scofflaw for those that um, may not know what the definition of scofflaw is, and then you'll appreciate why I um, tied it into this particular episode. So it's a person who um, fails to comply with the laws or enforce them effectively. Um, so this conversation made me think about that, but. A scofflaw cocktail is a um, is a cocktail with bourbon or rye whiskey, dry vermouth, and lemon juice, and a couple of dashes of grenadine and orange bitters. So it is a fabulous drink. So this month we get two drinks. We will get a mojito and we will get a scofflaw. And I truly hope that none of you will be scofflaws as it relates to. Um, <laughs> to ethics and that you will make sure that you are providing ethical guidance and leadership to your employees and your um, teams. So thank you so much for joining us this month um, for HR and Cocktails. We appreciate it. Please make sure that you follow us on Instagram on HR and Cocktails, and we will see you next month. Thank you for joining us this month on HR and Cocktails please make sure to visit our website at www.prescotthr.com. 
where you can subscribe to the show. And while you're at it, if you're interested in learning more about our consulting services, please complete the contact form on the website. And don't forget to tell a friend about Prescott HR, home of unintimidated HR.